Welcome to episode number 55 of the Speaking Podcast. And today my guest was Robert Kennedy III. And you'll be able to find more about Robert at robertkennedy3.com. As always, you'll find all our episodes on speakingpodcast.com. And if you're interested in meditation or learning Polish, as well as the Speaking Podcast, can all be found on roycolin.com. We also have a Facebook group, Speaking Podcast. So I hope you enjoy this week's episode. to the speaking podcast and today my guest is all the way from is it maryland near dc yes sir it's mr robert kennedy the third hi robert hey roy how are you doing today man i'm doing very well very well so a normal thing that i do is i ask people to tell us who's robert and you might explain to the audience <laughs> well robert is a complicated character complicated fellow i don't know i just have uh, a, a, a background, a windy history. I was a teacher. I was a classroom teacher for 10 years. I taught physics and biology and moved from that into the, the e-learning or online course development space and started developing courses for organizations. And from there, started to teach them uh, how to do that. And after a little while, decided that I wanted to get involved in the public speaking space. And so joined Toastmasters, went through that process, and uh, then ultimately became a member of the National Speakers Association here in the U.S. So my days are filled with keynotes and workshops and trainings and anything having to do with that. <laughs> so that's me in a nutshell. Okay, very good. So, I mean, with me, basically, I got into the Toastmasters, I think, it's probably three and a half years ago prior to that was, uh, you know, not into public speaking, hated it. So how, how long was your journey in uh, Toastmasters and when did it begin? It began at the end of 2014. In November of 2014 was when I was when I joined Toastmasters officially. And I had been looking into it before because, I mean, I've been married this year, 20 years I've been married. And my wife had spoken about Toastmasters maybe, you know, several years into our marriage, four or five years in, about how there were Toastmasters clubs at her work, etc. But I kind of waved my hands at it. Ah, you know, I did I didn't I, I was a teacher at the time and I didn't really see the need for it, didn't think I needed it. I led singing groups and was on stage and doing different things all the time. So I didn't really see the need for Toastmasters. Now that doesn't mean I wasn't nervous when I when I got on stage, but I really didn't know what Toastmasters was and I, I checked out a couple of groups and I didn't really vibe with them. So I just said, you know, you know, I, I just kind of pushed it to the side for quite some time. And then one day when I said, hmm, maybe I should take the speaking thing more seriously because people kept asking me about it. People said, are you a speaker? Are you speaking? Are you speaking? Are you speaking? Are you a professional speaker? Are you a motivational speaker? Are you speaking? And I said, no. <laughs> what do you mean? What are you talking about? And so I finally decided, let me go check out a, a Toastmasters group. And, and when I did, I said, hmm, this could be helpful to me. And went through the process, finished my Distinguished Toastmasters uh, Award in about four years. And so here's, here's where we are, man. 
And like one thing you mentioned there is uh, you went to a few clubs and you didn't get the vibe. And I, I kind of encourage that because not every club will actually you know, suit you. So you should go around to a few. You don't need to join them. You can go one or two meetings. You know, they all right. have kind of rules. But get into one that you feel right, connect with people, and then you right. can go a lot faster. Yeah. And, and you want to make sure that not just you connect with people, but you want to kind of get a sense of who is in the club. Are there people, are there enough people in the club are, who are ahead of you in your speaking, not career, but in your speaking skill and some people that may not be where you are? Because I think one of the first clubs that I, that I went to, although I had not been speaking publicly, I kind of saw the speaking level of some of the people that were in the club. And I knew that that wasn't a place that I was going to grow. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then, and, and, and before you join Toastmasters, when you hear about it, you really kind of have this fear. A lot of people have this fear that they're going to walk into this room and they're going to be intimidated because it's a lot of professionals and people who are super skilled in speaking. And then you get there and, and that's not the case. There are people just like you and me who have the desire to learn, who some of them are shaking in their boots when they, when they go up to speak. And then you see, hmm, these are just regular people. Right. And so find out who they are, find out what skill level they are and make sure that you're in a place that that you can grow as well. And that's going to motivate you and push you to, to learn a bit more. Exactly. And I think there's nothing more rewarding as well as when you see somebody going in there, basically shaking if they're holding a piece of paper, you know, it's rattling. Yeah. <laughs> then over the space of a few months, you see them then getting comfortable on stage. And that's beautiful yeah. to see when you see the change. In, in yeah, stage. absolutely. So you said you're in the National Speakers Association. I'd heard of that before. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Well, the National Speakers Association is, I would call it the premier speaking group for, for professional speakers. There are speakers associations all over the world. National Speakers Association is a part of what is called the Global Speakers Federation. And so pretty much every continent maybe with the exception of Antarctica, um, but I don't know, Antarctica might have one as well. But every speaker's, every continent has a, a really elite, I would say, or, or a, a speaker's association or federation where professional speakers come to learn more, not just about how to speak, but about the business of speaking. So if speaking is what you do for your livelihood or your living, if you're a keynote speaker, or a trainer, workshop presenter, if you are a virtual presenter, and especially now where we've got a lot of quarantine and everything happening, being a virtual presenter is, is in need. That's the way that, that you've got to do it because I can't tell you how many of my workshops have been postponed or canceled because now nobody's doing face-to-face -face sessions in, in, in that way. So every speaker's association is a place for you to meet and, and rub shoulders with some of the top speakers in your industry and learn quite a bit from them and learn. And they themselves are learning as well. So it's not a, it's not a situation where you've got these, the, the, the Super Bowl champions <laughs> and, every, and everybody else is just average. It's really, you've got a lot of people together sitting in the same room, sitting at the same tables. They're all at different levels, but you're able to learn from them and you're learn to, able to learn with each other about how to sustain and improve and enhance the business that you are growing through speaking. Okay, excellent. And I think, because a lot of people, they start off maybe in Toastmaster, but they're, you know, they aspire to actually make it a profession. So mm -hmm. what do you, 
what is the best way? Is it just do as much speaking for free as possible and then try to get on where you're getting paid? Man, there, there are a lot of different schools of thought with regard to that. Some people say you've got to speak for free for at least 100 speeches before you can even think about getting paid. And there are other people that say, ooh, never speak for free. <laughs> so there are a lot of different things. I, I, I believe it really differs for everybody. It really depends on what your goals are, what your already pre-existing skills are, and what industry you're targeting, all right? So if, you're, if you are doing something more general that may be considered motivational speaking, there are probably not going to be a lot of companies or people or organizations that will pay you to be a motivational speaker right away. And if they do, it's not going to be a lot. It may be $100, $250, or something of that nature. However, if you already have a, an area where you are an expert, if you are a content expert, let's say that you really understand the back end of, of, of social media marketing, right? Let's say that you really understand a specific medical process that you can speak to healthcare professionals about. The likelihood of you getting paid is that much quicker because in, in a lot of industries, there are people who can speak to the content, but they're not really good speakers, right? And I've, I've been to, or I've heard from health professionals about going to them going to events and conferences where the key, keynote speaker or the main speaker was so terrible. They wanted to literally take pencils and stab themselves in the eyeballs to get out of there, man, because it was just so terrible and boring. Right. So that so it's so a lot of event organizers, meeting planners for a lot of these industries are looking for people that not only have content expertise, but are engaging on the stage so that they can keep the attention of the attendees and also make them look like superstars as as meeting planners. So, yeah, if, if you if you have an expertise already, it's much easier for you to start getting paid. And if you are doing a, a more general life story or motivational, inspirational talk, then yeah, do that as much as you can and write and share your videos and create visibility online so that you can then begin to create a market or a space for yourself. And, you know, uh, people will ultimately see you and you can, you can share that story on a wider stage. Excellent. And uh, have you done keynote yourself? Yeah, that's a, I would say that's about, well, before this time, <laughs> it's about 30% of my business. The other 70% is workshops, trainings, and online courses. So tell me, how do you do it that I don't want to stick pencils in my eye? <laughs> well, there, there are a few things. One, one big thing that is important is, is the energy with which you engage with people. So the, the, the thing that I, that I really share with a lot of my coaching clients is you want to form a connection with people. You want to form a connection with people. You want them to feel like you understand them and you respect their reason for being there in the audience in the first place. So how can you connect with them? One of the ways that I connect with them is by the energy that I bring. 
I want them to know that not only am I passionate about it, but I see you, I see you in the audience and I want to make the best use of your time. I want, I want you to know that I'm going to help bring value to the, to the moments that you're here. And I'm not just here to throw information at you. I'm here to help you have an experience. And so my energy really projects that and says that from the beginning. The other thing that I share with people to do is how can you, instead of just saying to the audience, I'm here to share some information with you, how can you get them to immediately begin playing a video in their own minds? How can you get them to take the attention off of you and go back inside of their, themselves to connect with something? And one of the best ways to do that is by asking a question. Okay. Now, not every question is a great question. There's some questions that just simply get people to say yes or no, or it doesn't have anything to do with an experience that they had. So I suggest asking questions that really help people to go back into their memory banks and connect with an experience. You want to ask a question that starts with something like, what if, what if you could do this? Or what if, or have you ever experienced this so that they can kind of think about it? And this, what I'm about to share is not a question, but it's a word that also triggers a mental response. The word imagine. Imagine what it would be like if this happened. Imagine what it would be like if one day you were outside and all of a sudden you looked up and you saw spaceships circling your neighborhood. <laughs> right? right. So this is a picture now, a video or an image that's literally playing in their heads. And, and we can't help it. We can't help it. Our, that's how our brains are programmed. When people ask questions or when we, we, we say something, it's it, our brains are programmed to respond and, and we struggle to not respond to it. I want you to think about a time where you've heard a question or somebody's asked you a question. Have you ever not responded to the question mentally? Yeah, you may have ignored them physically. You may, you may have closed your mouth and acted like they weren't there, but in your mind, your mind was, was answering the question. Exactly. And then your second choice or your second decision is whether or not you should do something with that. Should you share it? Should you speak it out loud? Should you let somebody else know? Or should you do something yourself about it? And when you, your, that, when, when you ask somebody that type of question, you know, the audience, mm -hmm. you kind of worked out what is the, the best pause? Because sometimes someone will say that and they don't give the pause and they go straight in. So I start going into my thought process and next you're off again. Have you worked out what's the key, the sweet spot for kind of letting them going to their own thought process? Well, and, and that comes with, with practice. It, it really depends on the energy. It depends on what it is that you hope for them to experience. Is it something that you really want them to reflect on? The, the more that I want them to reflect on it, the, the longer I will pause. If it's something where I want them to jump from one experience to the other, I want them to experience something or to think about something really quickly, but I don't want them to, to sit inside it. I want them to connect it to something else really quickly. Then I'll make my pauses shorter. If it's something where I want them to think about it, especially if it's something humorous, I don't want them to think about the humor too long. I want them to think, laugh, let's move. Okay. Because that laughter 
provides an energy that I want to capitalize on as well. Right? And I want to keep that going and I want to leverage that laughter. I want to leverage that energy for my next bit of content or my next anecdote or piece of my story. And do you use you? Because I, I personally use humor a lot in my speeches. Uh, you know, yeah. I, do, do, do you do it yourself? Do you use much humor? Well, I, I don't use planned humor. My, my humor is not necessarily I think up a joke and I write it down or I look up jokes on the Internet because that's not who I am. I, I, I'm not a comedian in that way. However, my energy, my personality, my natural personality lends to humor because I, I love laughter. I love to joke. I love fun. I love joy. And so there is a little silly side to me. I may do something. There's sometimes the other day I was speaking to this group virtually and I looked up a dad joke online and I told them. Now, dad jokes are not inherently funny <laughs> by themselves. But what I knew was that once I told it, there was going to be a groan from the audience and I was going to crack up laughing. And my laughter was what then prompted the laughter from them. And I, I, and that, and I knew that was the sequence of events that was going to occur. So you were saying you're doing 30% as keynote. What, what, what's the other stuff that you're doing? Uh, training, workshops, and online courses. So say the workshops, are, are they kind of two hour or full day or how long do they actually last? Uh, workshops are usually the shorter ones. They're usually anywhere from an hour to three hours or, you know, sometimes four hours. Workshops are usually, there's something really quick, a specific idea that we want to do an overview on. We don't really get a chance to do a deep dive in it. It's really a chance for them to connect. I like to create and do activities that allow the workshop participants to think a bit get connected, debrief, break apart a couple of things, but then they will just get an overview of a specific concept or idea that we're working on. For example, I have something that I called my ease framework for, spe for, for public speaking. And I'll give an overview of that. I'll share with them what it is. I'll allow some of them to practice it with each other. And I'll give a few examples up at the class up at the front of the classroom but we won't be able to do we won't do the full-on feedback video coaching etc that would be something that i would do in a full day training session okay and how do you shed like do you have it written down or do you use like a kind of mind map or something for your own if it's a four hour how the structure you take them through for the day well, it's, I've got some workbooks that I've already crafted and created. I also really look at what the needs of that particular client are. I have calls with them prior to any workshops to find out who's in the audience, what are their needs, what are their challenges, what are they really struggling with right now. And then I'll customize that. I, I won't always create something brand new from scratch. I, I don't do that a whole lot anymore, but I do consider the needs of that specific audience and look at how we can incorporate them with, with 
the, the the content that that already exists because especially because the 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 content that i already have is the is the reason that that group came to me in the first place because they had that need but i want to go a little bit deeper and really ask questions or include examples or references that are relevant to that particular audience when you're speaking, I mean, I'm not sure if you're doing like obviously in the Toastmasters, but if you, you know, if you have to do a speech, I mean, like keynote is a speech. So how do you prepare your speeches? What's your uh, process? Depending on the topic, I, I really start with what is the my big idea? What's the one thing that I want them to remember and walk away with? Because there are a lot of speakers that come and they'll give you a 12 step process, or they'll give you 15 things to remember about, and nobody's remembering 15 things, right? Statistics say, if I'm in front of you for an hour and speaking, you're probably going to walk away remembering 10% of what I said. So if you're only going to remember 10%, what is the 10% that I want you to remember? And how I help with remembering that is I choose one big idea and I weave that throughout the presentation. I, I, I repeat it. I may have an acronym or I may have an anecdote or a phrase that I have repeated in certain ways. I, I look to create what I call a circular presentation. Okay. And, and that's, and there's some presentations, there are different presentation styles, but one is a circular type of presentation where I may start out with something. I start out with a phrase or I start out with a quote or a statement or a story or something that, you know, it, it's nice to hear, but it doesn't really land fully with the audience just yet until I take them to the journey, through the journey, and then I come back with that same phrase at the very end, yeah. right? So there, it's, it's, there are a lot of different techniques that you use. The biggest thing that I always do, though, is I always tell stories. I, I always incorporate a story or two in any keynote that I do because you're ultimately speaking to people and people live lives with, with experiences and they want to know that you're not a robot <laughs> up there talking to them. They want to know that you're a real person who not only has been through things like them, but that you understand the situations that they've been in and, and, and that you know what it's like to sit in their seats, be in their shoes and live the lives that they live. Otherwise, you're just this dude that's just like up there. And the thing with stories as well is because you've lived it, it's easy mm -hmm. to just go through it. You might have trigger points to just remember which story you're going to say or, you know, I'll make sure I include this, but you're not yep. reading it as a script. And exactly. I mean, I've seen that from the Toastmasters. You, you have two different types of people. You know, you have the people that are speaking from the heart and they're telling the story. And then you have mm -hmm. the people that are, you know, just verbatim the whole script of what they want. Yeah. To say. Yeah. Yeah, and I get it. It, 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 it can be nerve wracking, especially when you're first starting out and you have insecurities around your use of language or your words. And there's so much to pay attention to. Sometimes you got to pay attention to the word. You've got to pay attention to the sequence of things. You've got to pay attention to the pausing. You've got to pay attention to the speed. You've got to pay attention to, to the, to the pitch and the range and, and your vocal and your body language and your facial expressions and your timing and, and the area that you're walking in and stand. There's a whole lot to pay attention to. So people say, Oh my goodness, if I can just make this one part perfect, <laughs> and write it down and make sure it's right, then, then, then I have a better shot at delivering. 
and, and that's okay. That's okay. And that's one level of things. But the higher level of things is when you're able to really be free, authentic, and speak to people from your heart and to their hearts. And I'm looking at your background. It's a lot more professional than mine. Is that actually a screen that you have there? Or is it uh, the... T- it is... <laughs> it is some people think it's a wall it's it's yeah. a photography backdrop it looks like wood it, yeah exactly it's, it looks very good like because it's hard to tell if it's a, you know if it's actually a screenshot or if it's, yeah, if it's, yeah. And, and the funny thing it looks better on camera than it does in person in person i turn around and it, it kind of looks like somebody took a picture and just printed it on a paper but on on screen on camera it looks very real so yeah, yeah. Ca- camera tricks you know the movies <laughs> well, especially now because a lot of people are actually doing this stuff online, and they, you know, yeah. it all makes a difference. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so listen, uh, it's been fantastic. All all the advice, tips, and tricks. So, how can people get in contact with you? My website is robertkennedy 3com and I am on all social media as Robert Kennedy Three, the number three, not the Roman numeral. <laughs> alphanumeric three all right so yeah linkedin instagram facebook twitter i'm robert kennedy three you can you can reach me there uh, as well so actually what i would love to do as well as i talked about questions Mm -hmm. i would love to give to your audience i'll send you a link and you can include this in the in the show notes i would love to send a link for 21 great questions that you can ask ask to open every speech Brilliant. 21 great questions you can ask to open any speech. And, and I include in there the questions and I include some of the pros, cons, benefits for using some of the different question types and some of the different situations or scenarios that it may be best to use certain question types in as well. I hope that's oh, valuable that, and beneficial oh, to your audience. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. And I mean, I have all the links and descriptions on below and, you know, put it on all the different social media, you know, LinkedIn and the, the Facebook group as well. So. Excellent. Excellent. Listen, it's been fantastic. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much, Robert Kennedy. All time. right, Roy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Have an awesome day, brother. You too. I hope you enjoyed the episode with Robert. And be sure to download his 21 questions that you can ask to open any speech. You can find all our episodes along with the Meditation Podcast and Learn Polish Podcast on mycalling.com. Be sure to share with your friends and give us a positive review. Until next week, take care.